This evening's reading is from Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Amy, very much indeed. Uh, we're coming to the end of our series on Psalms. It seems a bit weird at the end of the series to have Psalm 1, which is the first Psalm, but it's Bible Sunday, so that's, that's how it's worked. Uh, let's pray that the Lord will speak. Lord, how we praise you for the Psalms. Thank you that in them we find every human emotion, and we've thought through from lament to joy with everything in between. Most of all, we praise you not only that you hear us, but you speak to us. And we pray, come by your Holy Spirit this evening. Take what I've prepared and speak through it. Most of all, speak through your word as we think about it. And would you give to each one of us a fresh love for your word and a fresh wonder at having it in our own language. So come by your Spirit and speak, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, we've heard a lot about Bible Sunday already. It's a real celebration of the wonder of what I'm holding in my hands. Uh, we've got so used to having the scriptures in our language. Uh, most people have got a copy of them on the phone that you carry in your pocket or your handbag. We just got so used to this, we forget what a wonderful thing it is. Uh, I'm not quite sure exactly what's going to happen when King Charles is crowned on May the 6th at the coronation next year. The last coronation, when Queen Elizabeth II was crowned, she's presented with uh, crowns and scepter and an orb, but she's given a Bible with these words, this is the most precious thing this world affords. These are the very oracles of God. And far more valuable than any amount of bling that there is, is the fact that God speaks to you and to me through his word. This is so precious. Uh, absolute delight to have Teresa back with us. It's been an amazing journey um, over these last 20 years as a church, praying for Teresa and others, uh, Beata and others as part of the team, uh, learning the language, translating, uh, finding an alphabet, right, teaching people to read the language in their, their, in their own tongue, then translating the New Testament. I remember when Lars and Jono went out uh, and we had video footage of these war canoes arriving with the, with the Bible on them and a ritual greetings. It's just been fantastic. Teresa, we honour you and the privilege that you've reminded us of, of these people hearing God speaking in their own native language. And we forget what a privilege it is because we've had this in English all our life. wasn't always the case. Uh, my dad was a country vicar in a little village called Luggershaw, halfway between Oxford and Aylesbury, going back where the, there's got a list of all the vicars going back to about 1100 or, or beyond 1050. The 11th vicar of Luggershaw 
was John Wycliffe, who was a don at Oxford University. Lugershaw was just sort of 13 or 14 miles out. He'd come out by horseback and stay the night somewhere. Uh, there's a little room where he started translating the scriptures, and he then went on to be the vicar of Lutterworth, where they were published. But in those days, this was such a radical thing. Church services were all in Latin, and Oxford University taught in Latin. Uh, the court, royalty, government was all in French. And, and if you were an ordinary person, a bit like we heard from the Ninigo Islands, the Samat people, the language of trade wasn't in their language, the language of business wasn't in their language, the language of God wasn't in their language. And John Wycliffe was determined to translate the scriptures, and together with others, uh, they did that. This was the 1300s. He's known as the morning star of the Reformation. Of course, Martin Luther, out in Germany, much more famous in the Reformation, determined to get the word of God into people's hands. Uh, so they understood it themselves and didn't have this strange sort of mixture of uh, folk religion and all sorts of what that Teresa was talking about. William Tyndale, in our country, picked up this in about 1500 and continued the work translating from Greek and Hebrew. And he produced the first printed version of the Bible in English. Very, very dangerous to do that. Um, he had to hide quite often. He was imprisonable for translating the scriptures. In, at least Theresa hasn't had to be imprisoned for translating. He may have had some dodgy toilets out in the Ninigo Islands. I remember seeing some photos of that, but uh, not imprisoned for this. One time, uh, William Tyndale was in trouble with the authorities, and he famously told this powerful cleric, if God spares my life, I will cause the boy that drives a plough to know more about the Bible than you do. And those of us who had the privilege of growing up with the Scripture, those of you who teach our children, our young people, we forget just how awesome it is that we have the Bible in our own language. William Tyndale was strangled and burned at the stake for what he did. Uh, we pray you'll get a more favourable reaction when you go back to Papua New Guinea, Teresa, for what you're doing out there. And the, you'll be, I know you're much more appreciated out there than William Timdale was. His dying prayer was for God to open the King of England's eyes. And two years later, that prayer was answered when King Henry VIII authorised the great Bible, Tyndale's translation, in English. Uh, copies of it were chained up in parish churches, so no one nicked them. But anyone could go in and read in their own language. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, I remember growing up with some Christian heroes. One of them was Brother Andrew, who just died a couple of weeks ago. God's Smuggler. If you've never read that book, one of the great Christian testimonies uh, of our age or the last century. Uh, this Dutch soldier who got injured, who just wished for adventure in his life. Well, God provided that in spade loads as he smuggled Bibles uh, to Eastern Europe and Russia and China uh, and then to Islamic countries, just praying as he crossed over uh, these borders that God, who made blind eyes to see, would make seeing eyes blind and they wouldn't see his Bible. Fantastic story. Some of you know the books I'm talking about. If you don't, get God's Smuggler and read it. And just the treasure of having God's Word in our own language and being able to give it to people in their own language. Uh, around about the time that, the, that communism was collapsing, the Berlin Wall came down and the Iron Curtain came down, in 1990, a Russian poet called Irina Ratchinskaya came over to this country, and she did a poetry tour. 
and she noticed that every hotel room was a Bible, usually unopened. And she said this, we Russians would steal it. Which is worse, to steal it or to ignore it? Well, one's a crime and one's a sin, if you like. We have God's word in our hand. And my prayer this evening, as I prayed, is that God would give us a fresh love for his word. Here are the very oracles of God. This is God speaking to you. If you think God doesn't speak to you, you are not reading your Bible enough. Uh, praying that he would open our eyes and our ears to see and hear what he's saying. Well, three points. That's traditional, isn't it? From Psalm 1. Uh, and then about another dozen points after that. But we'll see. We'll see. I'll stop before it's bedtime. Don't worry. Um, first point from, you know, there's always hundreds of points, however many main points. Anyway, first main heading. God shapes us through his word. Psalm 1 sets out two different ways to live. We can be shaped by the culture of the world around us, or we can be shaped by God's word, his law, his Torah, his instruction. So Psalm 1 verse 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Do you notice the progression? You might walk in step with the wicked, the sense of the godless world. The more you do that, the more you will stand with them and eventually sit down. The world shapes you into its mold there's a the more you don't have to do anything for that to happen you just have to live in the world around you and the values of the world shape us the alternative is verse 2 of psalm 1 but those delight have we missed a bit that but um, but oh, let, let's just go back to verse 1 again so i get the flow blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the way of mockers but Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law, the word, the instruction of the law, Lord, and who meditates on it day and night. For that to happen, we must spend time meditating on the scriptures for it to shape us. Now, when I was growing up, more of the values of the culture around were Christian than they are today. Today, because so much of our nation has turned its back on God, is so unaware, we have to work the harder to allow God's word to shape us. You will be shaped by something. And uh, we have to make sure that we help each other to be shaped by God's word, to be the people he's made us to be. We are bombarded by the world's values all day long, seven days a week. Uh, Julius and I went for a holiday a while ago to an amazing little island in the Canaries called La Gomera. An extraordinary, you fly out to Tenerife where it's chaos, and then you take a ferry and you go out this little island. And we only realised after we'd been there nearly two weeks that we had not seen an advert for two weeks. There are no advertising hoardings on the island. We had not heard an advert. We had not watched one. And it's extraordinarily refreshing. But we live in a culture where we're bombarded by all this stuff. And it shapes us. It shapes our attitudes to our time, to relationships, to money, to God, to things, to, to what we do, to what is valuable. Uh, Paul in Romans 12, 2 said this, do not be conformed. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And it's as we engage with God's word that our minds get rewired so that we can test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, 
and perfect will. So in order to do that, uh, verse two, back to Psalm 1, verse 2, we need to meditate on God's law day and night. Well, I've, if I had a pound for every person that said to me, I don't know how to meditate and I'm no good at it if I did, um, I'd be very wealthy. But two thoughts about meditating on Scripture. First of all, this is meditating on something. It's not the whole sort of the way the world likes to do it, of emptying your mind of anything and meditating on nothing, just meditating on your navel, which doesn't, seem, doesn't do you nearly so much good. Good to be still in a busy world, but we're meditating on the Scriptures. We're thinking about them. Uh, this same word meditating is used in the Old Testament of a lion chewing on its prey or a dog chewing on a bone. Uh, very sadly, my dog Dudley has gone to be in doggy heaven, so I don't see this happening so often. But whenever we had uh, a joint of meat uh, with a bone and we'd give Dudley the bone, he would get it and he would growl and go away somewhere quiet on his own and meditate his bone. And from time to time, I would just sort of go near him. And if I went near him, he would growl at me. You keep away. I'm meditating my bone. That is the attitude you and I need to have with the Scriptures. We get away by ourselves, where we're not disturbed and we chew on it. You don't just read it briefly and it goes in one ear and out the other. We chew on it. We meditate on it. We reflect on it. If you're really rubbish at that, a good way to start is the Lectio 365 app, where just eight or nine minutes a day, taking a verse or two of Scripture, just chewing on it for a bit. Uh, you need to do far more of understanding the Scriptures to be shaped by it, but that's not a bad start. Uh, another thing, I say to people, do you know how to worry? So far, I've never met anybody who says no. Everybody I meet knows how to worry. worry worrying is meditating on what might go wrong. You chew it over in your brain. You lie awake thinking about it. The idea is instead of meditating on what might go wrong, we meditate on the Scriptures. Read a little bit of it before you go to bed at night and just ask the Holy Spirit to work it into you when you wake up in that. Read it first thing in the morning. If you're rubbish at reading, play it. Uh, we have the privilege not only of having God's Scriptures in our own language that we could read, but we can have it read to us uh, fantastic uh, over the internet. There's, all, there's no excuse uh, for saying we, we can't do this. Uh, let it become part of us. Learn it. The start of lockdown, I set myself a challenge of learning Psalm 103, a great psalm, and I learned it. I added a verse a day. It took me two weeks, just verse one, then the next day verse one and two. Then verse, I've probably forgotten it now if you test me off. But the point, it's in me. I know it. Psalm 23 would be a great place to start. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing to meditate on that. Uh, the idea is that each day you have a bit of time, like Dudley my dog took to meditate his bone, where you get to chew on the scriptures. For me, that needs to be first thing, because once the day's at me, I'm really bad at being quiet. So for, for other people, that's hopeless. My wife, Juliet, and we had lots of children, that was a disaster. And she had the best bit of advice ever for a mother, which is wait for the first lull of the day. It may come at 10 in the morning, may come at 3 in the afternoon. Maybe it's it, who knows. But first lull of the day, when you're tempted to do everything else, just sit and listen to God's word first. For some of you, it may be the evening. Some of you drive around all day, pull into a lay-by for 20 minutes and listen. 
Whatever the best time of day is for you, give it to God's word. And as we read, we pray that he would speak. There are so many resources. I think probably the best standard resource is Nicky Gumbel's Bible in one year. Uh, a really good basic discipleship. If you're not a great reader or you don't listen too much, there's a simple, a short version, or there's the classic version. Really, really excellent. You can start it any day you like. Start it tomorrow if you want. You don't have to start on January the 1st. You can start it at the end of October if you want. Uh, but if, if, you, if you've never got into the scriptures, talk with each other, talk with me afterwards. God will shape you through his word. Our nation was shaped through the scriptures. Sadly, we're losing it. We need to pray it comes back. A uh, second point, which will be a bit quicker, you'll be pleased to know, or you will be here all night. God sustains us by his word. And for those of you who are wondering, the third point does not begin with an S. So st stop worrying and thinking about what it might be. God shapes us by his word. He sustains us by his word. Verse 3. That person who chooses to shape their life on God's word, meditating, reflecting on it, is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So for those of you who are more visual learners, here's a few pictures for you. Here is a tree planted by water. You can see in the background, this is a fairly dry place. This is uh, pictured when there's water in the river and there's grass. But you know that when the stream dies down and the grass withers, those roots will go right down and find moisture as long as there is any there. A few more pictures for those of you who like them. Uh, there is a proper picture of a tree root system, just how far down it goes. Uh, here's another one. That's an imaginary picture, I think, of what it, what it... But that's the idea. The root is as big below the surface as above. Here's another one. I like this one. That tree had put roots down such that even in the desert it was finding some moisture and new shoots were springing up. I like that. Uh, back to the first one. I think this is all I've got. I don't often do pictures. I'm not very good at this. But that Psalm 1 says if we meditate on God's word, our roots go down and we draw moisture, as it were, from God that sustains us. God will sustain you day by day through dry seasons for his word. It's not just there to instruct us. It's not just there to tell us what to do. God's word does something to us. It shapes us. It sustains us. Uh, it's described as like food for us. Let me read to you a bit of Psalm 19, which includes that it's like honey, sweet to the test. taste. I love this. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Does your soul want refreshing? Come to God's word. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Do you want more wisdom? Come to God's word. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Do you want to know more of God's joy in your life? Come to his word. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Do you want to see clearly? Come to his word. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm. All of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, as was said to the queen. Much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, the honey from the honeycomb. The sweetest thing they could imagine at the time this was written. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. The scriptures do that for us. They shape us. They sustain us. They bring joy and life. And it's a lie from the evil one, from the pit of hell, 
that these are boring and irrelevant and outdated. The people who get them in their own language for the first time don't think that. We're just too busy to be still, to learn to meditate on them. They're described as well in the Bible as like milk that uh, little Christian babies can begin to feed on and like meat that those of us who are a bit older in the tooth as Christians can chew on, like honey uh, that feeds us. And Jesus talked about feeding on God's word. Do you remember when he was tempted in the desert in Matthew 4 verse 4? He said this, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Times when I've been drying up inwardly have been times when I haven't been feeding on God's word. You don't notice it for a day or two. It's been my practice to read something of the scriptures every morning. Uh, I've been doing that with one or two exceptions I'm not proud of for over 40 years now. Uh, On one or two of those exceptions, I don't particularly notice that day. But if it goes two or three days, I really do. Uh, We need this. It feeds us. It brings life. Um, Third one. So God shapes us by his word. He sustains us by his word. Thirdly, from someone, he equips us from his word. His word will help us produce fruit, uh, good fruit, to do things with our lives for God's kingdom. So Psalm 1 verse 3, you're like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. As God's word goes down into us, it does something in us that starts to shape what we do and our lives bear fruit for God. Uh, Jesus said the same idea when he was talking about the vine and the branches in John 15. Uh, Listen to this. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my word or my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Obviously, as God's word really takes root in us, the things we ask for and desire change. We start being more and more concerned for God's glory. What I really want is God's glory and my comfort. (laughs) God's not so fussed about my comfort, to be honest. He's fussed about me becoming more like Jesus. And as I become more concerned for his glory and more concerned to be who he's shaped me to be, then more of the things I pray get answered. The more we're just out for our own comfort, uh, we struggle with that one. But his word will shape us and we will bear fruit. I love how Paul put it to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says to Timothy, From infancy you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That's the first thing. The scriptures teach us about Jesus. So we come into relationship with him. So we're saved from paying the price for sins ourselves. Then he goes on, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you want to be equipped to do your work well? You need to engage with the scriptures. Do you want to be equipped for the ministry God's given you, perhaps in parallel to your work or through the church? 
you need to engage with the scriptures. I've always thought I would be a bit subversive if I went to work in a Christian bookshop. You don't have so many Christian bookshops now because it's all on Amazon or Eden. Or on the, but in the days of Christian bookshops, and we had a great one in our town, if I'd gone there and done a day behind the counter, I'm not sure I would have been very helpful. Someone would have come in and said, I've just been asked to help teach the children in the Sunday school. Do you have anything that might help? I'd say, have you tried a Bible? <laughs> Someone else comes in and said, do you know, I've, I've joined the worship band and I want to be more godly. Have you got anything that could help me be a better worship leader? I'd say, have you tried a Bible? Uh, someone else comes in and says, I'm really struggling to honour God at work. Have you got anything about the world of work? I would probably say, have you tried a Bible? Now, there are other books where people have read the Bible and they've digested it for it. It's a bit like getting burgers from McDonald's. Someone's chopped it up for you to make the chewing easier. Those books are good. But there's no substitute for engaging with it yourself. When you engage with the Scriptures, God will equip you thoroughly. Now, I love reading other Christian books uh, and I love taking what God has taught others, and that is helpful. But it is not the same as when you find God shaping you yourself. Now, this isn't automatic. I've got a bonus for you tonight. This, this only normally comes out at 10.30 in the morning when the children are in. Uh, but we're going to put a camera on it for those of you of dodgy eyesight late at night. Here we are. Here is my magic Bible. Uh, the the Bible will not do this for you. Let's get this so the camera. If I stand there like that, then everyone can pretty much see. Is that right? We'll do it like that, that way around. Okay. Now, when the world looks at the Bible, it just thinks there's nothing in it. Here we have just absolutely nothing there. Okay. Thinks it's, this is old, it's boring, it's outdated. Some people read the Bible and they think, oh no, this will instruct you. There's things there you can learn. So it's a bit like it's in black and white, like that. We're very excited on the front row here. I don't know if in the back you can see this. What we're really praying is that God will shine his Holy Spirit onto the Scriptures as we read. So my prayer is, God, speak through your word. And what you find when you do that is that the Bible becomes gloriously technicolor. Do you like that? I think that merits a round of applause. Thank you. <laughs> can be bought from all good vicar's joke and magic shops. The, the, the point is, it's not just having it on your shelf will not do it for you. It's reading it and asking God to shape us through it. Uh, it's a bit like if you go to a National Trust property and they've got one of those old sundials and you want to see how accurate it is and most of the time it's rubbish because there are clouds and it doesn't sweep. But then the clouds part and the sun comes out and the sundial speaks and you can see how accurate it is. We need God to part the clouds and send his spirit and speak. And he promises to do that. We are his children, his sons and daughters. He wants to speak to us. He's given us the scriptures for us to read them, uh, to develop relationship with us. Uh, so here's, here's loads of scatter quick points. And just ask the Lord for you to remember one of these. I hope that one of these half dozen or so points will be helpful to you in your engaging with the scriptures. If you've never started, then you don't need this. You just need to think, I need to start. And, and Lord, how do I do that? Read the Bible prayerfully. We are to sit, this is the word of God. We need to sit under it. When I was at my vicar factory, we had to write essays on the Bible and we kind of had to sit over it academically. And the best advice I was given was whatever passage I've had to study academically, sit under that passage 
before you go to bed. So it feeds you. Uh, that was so helpful. It meant I didn't develop the dichotomy that some people have of believing one thing academically and another thing in their heart. This is God's word, and he speaks. So pray for God to speak. Uh, read the Bible expectantly. Expect God to speak. How do you know if you're expecting him to speak? Well, get a notebook with a pen. Uh, don't have your phone on to take notes with it, probably, because then you'll be distracted unless you put it on airplane mode. I reckon. But have a way. If you're expecting God to speak to you, have something to jot it down. When I'm reading the Bible in the morning, I write down quite a lot in my journal because it stops me falling asleep again. So I write down uh, the bits I'm reading. And then suddenly, I think, oh, my goodness. And I go over that again and I underline it and put a star on it. Quite often I can't really read very well because I'm uh, what I've written when I come back because it's sort of on the sofa beside me and I screw. But I'm jotting, I'm not expecting God to say. And every now and then uh, there's something that really stands out for me and I get it and I make a big asterisk. And from time to time I read back through the journal and I'm amazed at how much God has said. Quite often the same thing half a dozen times. And I'd, uh, but if you're not expecting God to speak, uh, even if he does, you might miss it. So I encourage you, have a, have, a, have a notepad and a journal or some device which in airplane mode so you can't be distracted by others. Um, J.B. Phillips, who translated the Bible in the middle of the last century, described the experiences like rewiring a house but with the main still on. If you're an electrician, that's a dangerous thing to do. Uh, but you'd be rewiring, then suddenly it would jolt uh, the experience that the two on the Emmaus Road had when Jesus met them on Resurrection Day. Do you remember this one, Luke 24? They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures? Now, I confess, my heart does not burn within me all the time I'm reading the Scriptures. But most days there's something. And sometimes there's lots. And some of the days, even when I'm not quite sure, there's still truth and it's good. But if you're not reading it, it's less likely to happen. Uh, read them honestly. Uh, there's things we don't understand. There's loads we don't understand. God is much bigger than our brains. Uh, that's not a problem. Mark Twain famously said, it's not the things I don't understand that I struggle with. It's the bits of the Bible I do understand that I struggle with. They're the bits that say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute and give lots of your money away. Uh, that's, we struggle with that much more than the bits we don't. So keep a pending tray. Just, okay, I don't understand that. You can always ask Eleanor or me or someone else. We won't know, but we'll have a go. We might be able to point you uh, at one of those, but we may know, actually. Uh, we may be able to point you at one of those great books from the Christian bookshop that isn't a Bible, which might be helpful. Uh, put, read it imaginatively. Have you ever put yourself in the place of a character in the story? I remember uh, ages ago, a spiritual advisor was saying encouraged me to do this and she suggested I took the story of blind Bartimaeus every day for a week and I thought oh my goodness but each day I just was still before I understood the Lord and asked him to speak to me and one day I, I thought well I'll be Bartimaeus and so I just imagined myself in and imagined the Lord saying to me I heard people call him call him and the Lord saying what do you want and I found myself in a conversation with the Lord it was fresh uh, the next day I thought, okay, I've got to do this again. Here we go again. The next day I found myself as a disciple. And the Lord said, go and fetch him, would you? And bring him. Just imagine yourself into the story. That's, some of you will have much better imaginations than me, and you'll find that really easy. 
Uh, and as you do that, you're doing a, a thing that the Jesuits are brilliant at. Uh, I've got a much more dodgy imagination. I find it hard. So it's, it's, um, it's good for me to do that. Uh, read it obediently. James says this, James 1.22, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves, do what it says. <laughs> this is God's word and it's there to be obeyed. Do you know what Jesus, the story Jesus told about the two builders? The wise man built his house on the rock and the fool built his house on the sand. Do you remember the difference? Let me just remind you. Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, I hope you're picking up the emphasis here, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I used to think the wise man listened to Jesus and the fool didn't. No, they both listened to Jesus. The wise person does what he says. The fool says, lovely sermon, vicar, and does absolutely nothing about it. We are to obey what Jesus says. Uh, lastly, read the Bible daily, regularly. In the sermon this morning at the All Age, Katie and Lydia were saying, it's better just to read it badly than not to read it at all. And obviously it's better to read it well, <laughs> to have time. But each day, something. There are all sorts of ways to do that. A verse for the day that might come through uh, at midday. The first lull of the day, whatever the time is. Let's just put up those pictures of, uh, of the trees. The, well, the first one, the tree. Uh, that's the picture of Psalm 1. Although there's not much fruit on that tree. I could have found a better tree with some fruit. That would have been even better. But the fruit comes in season. Just let's take a minute, just quietly. We're going to pray in two ways. Quietly now, and in the quietness, Lord, we pray you would show each of us one step we can make, whether it's starting to read the Bible or having another go or talking with someone or using the Bible in a year or having a chat with me afterwards. Lord, in the quietness, speak to each one of us. And we pray you'd give to all of us uh, a sense of wonder at your word, like that person on the Ninigal Islands, Theresa, told us about, of God speaking to him in his own language, the wonder, and a love for your word and a desire to let it shape us more than the values of the world around. And to pray the collect for Bible Sunday. It's one of the church's great prayers. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, help us so to hear them, to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, to meditate them, that through patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and forever hold fast the hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Saviour, Jesus Christ.
Amen. I'm going to pray in another way as well. Can I invite you to stand if the band would come back? I would love to pray for everybody who would like some fresh help with reading the Scriptures. You've either fallen out of love, you're feeling guilty at having been rubbish at it, uh, you've gone dry. Uh, and I'd love just to invite everybody who would like uh, a prayer. I can do this in a prayer ministry and can join along. We're just going to put a hand on your shoulder and pray for the Lord to bless you, help you really engage with his word uh, afresh. I would be absolutely delighted if nobody in the church needed that because you're all devouring God's word every day. But I suspect that a few of us might need a fresh touch when it comes to our Bible. So if you would like that, would you come and stand around the front even now before we sing our last song? Uh, so we'll just have a minute. But for anybody who would like some fresh help with reading the Bible, I'm expecting there to be one or two of you. If there's not enough room, we'll just push in or come out to the sides. I suspected there might be one or two of us tonight. Sometimes the prayer is for something really embarrassing. You think, I'm not coming out publicly for that. But tonight, this is all okay. Um, and just before we come sing our last song, prayer ministry team and those authorised for prayer, would you just work your way around folks, a hand on the shoulder, praying for God to fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit and give them a love for your word and show them how to do that. Uh, and as we do that, we're going to start singing. Can we start singing fairly gently, Sam? Is that possible? Have we practiced it loud? No, gently. And then, then it can just build. And if you decide you'd actually like someone to pray for you, you can still come forward. It's not too late. And if you'd rather not do that, ask the person next to you to pray for you. Okay? So, Lord, we just pray that you'd pour your spirit out on everybody, especially those who've come forward, that tonight would mark a fresh step in engaging with your word. And for all of us as we sing, Come by your Spirit and minister to all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.